Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I'd like to start out reminding you of lots of different resources available to you at wealthformula.com. Make sure you check those out because you can get free stuff. And who doesn't love free stuff, right? Free books. You can get my uh, PDF of uh, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which is sort of like Investing 101. Um, I feel like I need to add quite a bit to that for our more advanced folks. But that's a good place to start if you're new to this world and you're of, of real assets. And then there's uh, George Newberry's got a book on there. George, my good friend, um, who has a book called Burn Zones. For those of you who want to be real estate titans, George used to be one of those before he became a fund manager uh, for AHP uh, Servicing uh, and now a company called Debt Cleanse. So he's a serial entrepreneur, a good friend of mine. But he's got a very cool book that he will send you a copy of, a, a, an actual physical copy, real book. They still exist, believe it or not. And uh, if you go to wealthformula.com and click on that Burn Zones button. Now, the other thing I want to remind you, two other things actually, you know, this meetup that we had was so darn popular. Everybody was so happy about, you know, the 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 guests and, you know, the uh, the panels and all that. But really what everybody was super duper excited about was meeting one another. And I want to encourage those of you who really want more of that to consider joining our Wealth Formula Network. This is through WealthFormulaRoadmap.com. If you go to that site, you're going to see a sales page, right? I mean, that's because, honestly, the uh, some guy told me to do that sales page, and it's super long, and it doesn't seem necessarily like the usual thing on the show, but the message is real. And beneath it all, there is a course that is of great value, I believe. Uh, it has some of the smartest people um in the areas of real estate, it's like uh, Ken McElroy and, and taxes and Tom Wilwright and Dean Graziosi and, you know, just a number of really smart people. Uh, you'll get uh, a little bit more information on things like Wealth Formula Banking and Velocity Plus, which obviously we are huge advocates on um, this program and in this community. But uh, beyond that course, that builds the foundations is a community, and that community has a private Facebook group that's becoming increasingly active. There's lots of you know, back and forth on it all the time. It's, um, I think it's it's for those people who just want to interact with others who have a similar mindset, and it generally tends to be people who are already doing reasonably well. I mean, we've got doctors on there. We've got... Uh, Dennis and we've got software engineers and IT guys. You saw Jerry, Jerry was on there recently, right? In the Real Investors of Wealth Formula uh, episode a couple weeks back. Uh, we got guys like that who are really just, you know, using each other for resources, etc. Uh, we do bi weekly mastermind calls on Zoom as well. So we get to kind of see each other face to face. It's really a nice opportunity. Uh, and, um, cause just like, uh, less than a couple hundred bucks a month, which is about as cheap as it gets when it comes to masterminds of any value. In my opinion, I've been, I belong to masterminds with a lot less value, uh, than ours that have cost me 
um, $25,000-$30,000 a year. So anyway, check it out again at wealthformularoadmap.com, and we'd love to have you. Now, let's see. I think that's it for plugs here. Okay, so I'm done plugging away. I... um, you know, I'm a little, uh, frankly, a little, uh, maybe a little bit less energetic than usual today. In, pe- in fact, because I've, uh, you know, I've been uh, doing some podcasting. I got interviewed on a podcast too, uh, and I got uh, interviewed on this podcast earlier today. Well-known podcast um, that does a whole, whole, whole lot of podcasts. I should say is a well-known podcast uh, that does uh, quite a few, a very prolific number of podcasts. I should say. And um, basically what, um, you know, the the, uh, the guy who interviewed me, nice guy, um, wanted to know what uh, I was talking about these days. And I knew he was kind of a gold bug himself. So I said, you know, I, um, I've been talking a little bit about why I'm not buying gold. So you're really interested in that. And so we decided we would talk about that, you know, create a little, he wanted to create a little controversy. So... I was interviewed and, you know, we got, um, we got into this, you know, not argument, but this discussion got a little heated and, um, you know, the, the argument was based uh, in, for gold was based in a very familial, familiar, um, foundation, which is that the global economy is going to melt down. Right. We've got debt. We got sovereign, you know, debt. We've got, um, you know, cities are going to go broke and we got, you know, it's in Ghostbusters. Right. Dogs and cats living together. Anyway, there's going to be a zombie apocalypse of some kind. And the only thing that zombies accept is gold and silver. And so, therefore, you should own gold and silver so you can survive the zombie apocalypse. Now, of course, I'm 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 making light of something that's not. It is serious, right? Sure, there is a, a lot of these issues. Uh, and a few years ago, I would have really gotten sucked into this conversation and drank the Kool Aid. Uh, but the reality is that I don't really see zombies headed our way anytime soon, regardless of what what I'm hearing. And I know there's all this talk about going back to the gold standard and, you know, all this other stuff that you hear these smart people talking about. But you know what? I don't I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And that's why I'm not terribly interested in gold. Um, admittedly, I do own a monster box of silver coins. For those of you who are precious metal people, uh, they'll know because because it's basically a bunch of like you know U.S. Uh, silver dollars or something like that, and uh, I've never opened it. You know, I'm saving it for um, the zombie apocalypse. The problem is I can't really find it, and so it's very likely that the zombies will find them before me. Anyway, the entire conversation got me again thinking about this whole issue of precious metals. Now, listen, I'm not saying it's foolish to own gold and silver. I'm just saying that's not where I think. Your my resources ought to be going right now, right? If you own some, great. It's a great. I mean, especially those of you who, you know, bought have been holding on to gold for for years and years, and saw it rise from five hundred dollars to where it is now, um, all that. And I, I'm just understand that the way I view gold is gold is money, right? Um, it's not investing. Gold is money, and so being heavy in gold. Uh, to me, all that means is that you're heavy in money and not necessarily in investments. Um, anyway, the entire conversation got me thinking about this money thing again in the first place. What exactly is money and where gold fits into that paradigm? Where does cryptocurrency uh, fit into that paradigm? And where uh, and why is it that more gold bugs aren't necessarily all that into Bitcoin? Because if it seems to me that if they really understood what Bitcoin was, or is, I should say, that they would be all over it. Anyway, that curiosity led me to a site that I followed uh, periodically throughout the years uh, called goldsilver.com. And um, they're, you know, they're pretty thoughtful, obviously. I mean, they're, they're very gold, silver centric, but they're, they're thoughtful. And they're the founder, Mike, uh, Mike Maloney, actually. 
has uh, had some really interesting documentaries on the history of money, gold, and uh, cryptocurrencies. And so, actually, I reached out to uh, reached out to them and uh, was able to get Jeff Clark, one of their senior analysts, to be on the show. And so, in this episode of Wealth Formula Podcast, we're going to take another peek back into the precious metals uh, world again with a detour into the history of money uh, and cryptocurrency as well when we come back. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Jeff Clark. Jeff is a senior precious metal analyst at GoldSilver.com. Uh, he's a globally recognized authority on precious metals, um, and he also comes from a gold family. He's the son of an award-winning gold panner and uh, uh, with a family-owned mining uh, claims in California, Arizona, and Nevada. Uh, he's an investor, writer, uh, and also Jeff's uh, uh, also a mining industry analyst, including 10 years as a senior editor for the world-renowned publication Big Gold. Uh, Jeff has been a regular conference speaker, including Cambridge House and the Sprott Resources events, uh, the Silver Summit, and many others. Uh, he currently serves as the advisory uh, on the advisory board uh, at Strategic Wealth Preservation, which is a bullion storage facility in Grand Cayman, and provides analysis and market commentary for GoldSilver.com. Jeff, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. It's great to he be here, Buck. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, you know, um, whenever you get to the uh, conversation surrounding precious metals, et cetera, um, I think, you know, so many times we kind of ignore what this conversation is all about. And to me, that conversation really begins with what is money and what exactly is money and where uh, and and then ultimately where you know, holding gold and silver and other precious metals fits into this. Can you talk a little bit, you know, obviously that's an entire course, right? But give us a sense of what money is in your mind. So money is, there's a d distinction between money and currency, right? So currency is what you use at the store. Is that money? Well, it meets most of the criteria of money, but money also needs to be a store of value and where the current currency system uh, falls short in my opinion is that it's a fiat currency uh, which means it can be diluted devalued and and because of inflation it'll lose some of its value over time so is that really uh, money and my answer to that question is no because uh, it, it cannot last and be a stable store of value over long periods of time. And the only way to keep up with uh, inflation, which is built into a fiat currency system, is to own something that is not that can't be diluted over time. Um, here's a good example. Remember uh, Y2K? We were all yeah. worried about Y2K back in 1999. Well, 
just since the year 2000, the dollar has lost, according to the CPI, 50% of its purchasing power, just this century alone. So a car that cost $20,000 in the year 2000, January 2000, the same car now costs $30,000. So if you didn't you use your money to invest it and, and earn at least 50% return on, the, on that money, you lost purchasing power. And of course, as soon as you invest, you introduce risk into your portfolio. So gold has been able to keep up with that and, and actually obviously far surpass that. It was $260 or something around that time. Now it's over 1300. But the point is in a fiat currency system, you have uh, a, a currency that can be devalued and, and diluted and that that's the uh, the big problem we have. Money is must be a store of value, in my opinion. Gold does meet that criteria, and in fact, gold's met that criteria for thousands of years, right? So, um, mankind has decided, for whatever reason, that gold is the best store of value. <laughs> All the movies about pirates and that that were stashing gold on ships and things like that and hiding it—that's because mankind has decided, for whatever reason, right or wrong that gold is gold is money gold is valuable sure so um let's talk a little bit more uh, drilled a little deeper on the idea of you know what's wrong with fiat currency right what if, if you want to talk a little bit it might be helpful for those people who don't really understand um you know what exactly fiat is what is frac you know the fractional reserve system that we use uh that most of us probably don't even uh, really understand is going on? That's a great question. And obviously, tombs have been written on yeah. this subject. But fiat basically means by decree. So it's paper money that the government by decree has declared is money. And that's fine. It's a debt-based system. That's fine, except for one thing. Because it's fiat, because it can be um, reprinted, um, it, because it can be devalued, it's going to lose uh, value over time. The more of those dollars you put in circulation, whether from fractional reserve banking or from uh, just outright money printing, you devalue the dollars that are already in existence. I think everybody understands that. And so the fiat system, uh, almost by default, means that it's going to be devalued over time, whether it's slow or quick, usually it's slow, uh, but there are times when you, your devaluation of your currency can happen quickly. So that's the issue with the fiat currency system is that it's fine until you introduce this concept of automatic devaluation, if you will. And that's what happens. And the big fear today, the reason I'm overweight gold, when at other times in history, I might be underweight gold is because the entire world right now is on a fiat currency system. Believe it or not, every currency out there is fiat. And based on our research, we can't find a time period where that has been the case. There's always been some currencies out there that have been gold backed or silver backed or some kind of commodity backing. Today, we have none of that. And so the whole world is operating on a fiat currency system. Do you see that there's um, any sort of impending danger because of that? Well, the danger can be, like I said, slow or fast. Um, the reason I'm overweight gold is, is partly because of the fiat currency system and the, um, uh, the, the elevated number of risks that are in the financial system right now. So I think owning real estate is good, uh, but would I buy real estate right now? It's a little overvalued. I'd rather buy something that's undervalued. Um, I, you know, so I, I look at gold as a way of hedging against the risks that are elevated in the financial system right now. So I don't like to make a lot of predictions. Um, but when I look at the investment landscape, I, 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 see I see risks everywhere in the stock market being overvalued, the bond market, 37 year bull market, something like that. Real estate seems to be getting a little frothy again. You would probably know that better than me, though. Um, you know, the cannabis index is up something like 5,000%. Mm -hmm. 
Bitcoin was a bubble that has burst. There might be some opportunities there again. Uh, the, the big issue for me is probably debt. Um, in, in literally every segment of our society, debt is at all time highs, believe it or not. So there's a lot of risk. I'm not saying the world's going to crash and the world's going to end. I'm saying there are a lot of risks and many of those risks are elevated. That tells me I need to be overweight gold at this point in history. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about a little bit about real estate, and this is something I've been gra- I'm sort of, you know, grappling with myself because, um, well, I certainly do feel that there is some froth in real estate. Um, fundamentally, to me, um, gold serves as sort of the anti-dollar, right? It's like it's hedging inflation. And I kind of see real estate doing the same thing. Do you Have you seen... Um, or can can you suggest a time in history where there has been significant inflation um, or any, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, hyperinflation, but inflation uh, where real estate and gold necessarily didn't both move in a positive trajectory? Where they both did not move in a positive trajectory? Well, yeah, I, well my point being that Listen, I, I, I totally get the point about gold being a uh, inflationary hedge. I completely agree with that. But when I look at real estate, I think of real estate as an inflationary hedge as well. And I just want to know if you're, what your thoughts are on that. It, 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 real estate is an inflationary hedge, but there's other factors that play into it. Um, interest rates, the political environment, where that real estate is located, if it's cash producing or not. Um, it has a lot of uh, uh, similarities with gold. It's, it's a real asset. Um, but I see them as two different asset classes. Um, gold, uh, rose, gold and silver rose quite a bit in the 1970s, if you'll recall, um, during high inflation. Now, real estate rose as well, but gold and silver rose so much because of that inflation and because of all the economic issues that were going on at that time, right? Right. That it actually outpaced inflation and your purchasing power relative to real estate was actually far superior at that particular point in time. What about my, my, my take on this whole issue is, you know, cash flow real estate is an excellent, excellent investment. I just think at this point in time, real estate has gotten a little bit, a little frothy, I probably wouldn't want to buy it now. I want to buy low, sell high, as, as we all say. And what's low right now, but the only thing that's really low out there is gold and silver. Mm-hmm. And gold and silver are more than just an inflation hedge. They are definitely that, but they're more of a crisis hedge. So what if we don't get inflation, but we get some other kind of crisis? Well, real estate may or may not do well at that point in time, but gold and silver will historically have done very well. So I think of them more as a crisis hedge as opposed to just an inflation hedge. Mm-hmm. What if we get deflation, for example? You know, what if we get some kind of geopolitical event? Um, sure. So there's a lot of issues out there. And historical studies show that gold, especially, will hedge those kind of events. And and so I I like being diversified. And right now. Based on what's out there, my gut tells me I need to be overweight this asset because of the potential sure. for uh, whatever crisis may result out there. You mentioned you mentioned uh, interest rates and rising interest rates. Wouldn't that also have a negative effect on gold? That's a great question. And the answer to that is it depends on the real rate, right? So gold doesn't necessarily fall. Look at what interest rates uh, did in the 1970s. Right. And look what gold did, gold rose. And that's because inflation was rising higher officially than the interest rate was. So therefore, um, gold was not a negative asset at that point in time and, and rose in direct response to it. So it depends on the real rate, the real rate being inflation minus the nominal, you know, usually 10-year rate is what we use. So that's what you really have to look at is the real rate. So if rates are rising and inflation is dead, well, it's probably not the best investment. It's probably not going to do as well. But if rates are rising and inflation is rising just as much or more, uh, investors will not shy away from gold. In fact, may turn to gold in that very environment. Right, right. 
So um, what are your, uh, you know, you, you, you tell us a little bit about your background. Let's back up a little bit. You, you grew up in a, um, you know, a home, a, a gold household, so to speak. And, <laughs> and, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what that was like, what you learned and how that shaped your view of the world. Well, my grandparents have always believed in holding gold and they grew up in the Great Depression, let's be honest. So, you know, they, they have some other reasons for holding gold. Um, but my father uh, became very interested in gold probably 20, 20, 20, 25 years ago as a prospector. So he went out and uh, uh, within a short period of time became this fairly successful prospector. He, he actually attended mining events where they had gold panning contests, and uh, he won some of those. Um, he wasn't necessarily the, didn't finish in first place, but he was always, you know, finishing uh, with some kind of award in many of those. He got very good at it, and he also got very good at finding gold, um, and so our family did own mining claims in California, and Nevada, and Arizona, and I've been to many of those, um, so it's a fun thing, but Buckets, it's kind of like fishing, you know, sure. you, you, you never know what you're going to find when you go out, you may go out and find something in 10 minutes, or you could be there all day and find nothing. So yeah. it's kind of like that. And for me, it, it just, it got a little boring. I just didn't have patience for it. Is, um, is that something I've just out of curiosity, you know, and I am, you know, listen, I'm, uh, I have, I don't live in that world at all. Is that something that still goes on? Do you go out there and pan for gold still? Is that something? Yeah, that that's happen? a good question. It does still go on, but there's been a lot of restrictions placed on it, especially here in California yeah. where I am. Yeah. So uh, it, it's not as you know easy to do it. Of course, a lot of places here have been picked over. You know, Arizona, Nevada might be a little better, but again, a lot of the easy to find gold has been, uh, has been, has been picked over. So uh, yeah, I was going to say a little bit a... more advanced equipment, but I, I will tell you this little tip. The best time to go out is after any kind of natural disaster. So right? if there's any kind of earthquake or flood or anything like that at all, that's the time to go back to those spots that you've been to before, because those kind of events tend to, you know, uh, bring the goal more accessible. So no kidding. Well, I got to tell you, I've been looking for a hobby, so maybe that's something, uh, Maybe I'll think about <laughs> it can be a fun hobby. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you got to have the patience for it. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, how did that, how did that experience, I mean, shape your perspective? Obviously it had a lot to do with what you do, but what, how did, how did that affect your worldview? I think finding gold buck and, yeah. and holding it in your hand yeah, and the weight that comes with it. And it's, it's, indistinguishable it's distinguishable as you say you know it's gold as soon as you see it there's a lot of little metals and color different things in that pan but when there's gold in there you know that's gold in your gut it's very instinctual right and especially if you hold a real gold coin or a gold bar or something in your hand it's got weight to it you you, you can relate to that as a human that okay this is real this is something that is not just any other metal. This is gold. And uh, I, I think that's what impacted me the most. Another thing that impacted me is my grandfather left me. Uh, uh, the U.S. Mint started producing gold eagles in 1986, and he mm -hmm. bought one for me unbeknownst to me. And when he passed away, that was one of the things I inherited from him was that one of the very first U.S. gold eagle coins that was produced by the U.S. Mint. Believe it or not, they didn't start producing them until 1986. Anyway, I got one of those, and it just meant a lot to me because uh, it, not only was it from my grandfather, but this was a real gold coin. And I think that's when I first started getting my interest in gold and uh, kind of linking that up with my, you know, writing abilities and things like that and started getting in the industry that way. But, yeah, interesting. Well, you know, we've, we, we, so we talked about gold. Um, is silver worth talking about right now? There's a very compelling setup in silver right now. Yes. Um, supply, new supply is starting to roll over. So supply has been rising when prices rose up until 2011. And then supply kept rising for a few years afterwards because of all the money that had been going into the ground. Uh, prices have obviously fallen dramatically. Silver is priced 
like one third of its 2011 high. That obviously affects revenue, which obviously affects budgets, which affects exploration and development of projects. And this is true for both gold and silver. But for silver, new supply has already rolled over and it's already starting to go into decline. So um, there's going to be uh, some type of uh, supply demand issue at some point for both gold and silver. That process has really already started with silver. So there's a, there's a compelling argument there. But the biggest thing for silver, and I just did a, a talk up in Vancouver on this at a conference, and the number one issue for me for silver right now is just how small it is. It is, it is a very, very tiny market. It is 0.02% of global wealth right now. Not 2% or 0.2%, 0.02% of global wealth. In fact, get this. I love this stat. So in Apple Computer's Q3 uh, report, they had something like $2.5 billion in cash. Well, they could buy with their cash every ounce of investable silver last year, every coin, bar, and every coin and bar represented by an ETF, every investment ounce of silver with 0.5% of its cash. <clears throat> so why, why, are more, why are people not buying more silver right now? That's a great question. The answer there, I think, is the same as it is for gold. The, the, nothing has broken yet, if you will. I mean, let's be honest. Gold is a, is a fear hedge, right? It's sure. usually when uncertainty rises or there's some type of crisis or there's inflation or there's something breaks in the stock markets or the economy or geopolitically, that's when people tend to go to gold and silver. Those things haven't really happened yet. The risks are high, as I pointed out. So that's sure. why I'm overweight those things. But when those things happen, if any of those happen, to whatever degree they happen, in my opinion, that's historically. That's when gold and silver have moved, and I think that's when they move again. So I, I don't think that's, you know, things aren't going to stay the way they are forever. And, and so I, I do think when those things occur, whatever they may be, to whatever extent they may be, that's when gold and silver will move. So... Let's just assume for a moment that I don't own any gold and I'm listening to Jeff Clark right now and I'm like, wow, I, I really should get some exposure to gold or silver. Should I buy physical gold? Should I should I go and, and, and uh, buy GLD? I mean, what's tell me your perspective on that. What What's the difference? Yeah, that's a great question because you can get exposure to the gold price through an ETF. It's easy to buy. You can buy just like a stock. Uh, but that's the catch. That's all you're going to get is exposure to the price. If you cannot get physical gold out of that, it, it's just price exposure, nothing else. Uh, there are a couple ETFs that will allow you to take delivery, uh, but it's very expensive to do so. Uh, and you have to wait for it. And you're going to pay a premium for, to do that. Uh, so it's not really the best way. If you're going to buy physical gold to buy one of those ETFs, that's not the best way to do it. So do you want just price exposure or do you want the physical metal? Well, one of the advantages of, of physical gold and silver is that they're not just a crisis hedge, but they can be used in any type of crisis, whether it's personal or in the, the economy around you. So if you have physical metal, you always have money, if you will, that um, you know, can't be altered in any way. It's a tangible asset that's in your hand that you can use for uh, barter or to sell for currency at that time or whatever the case may be. So the worse the crisis, this is the best guideline in my opinion, the worse the crisis you expect to be, the more likely you should have physical gold. If the crisis is not that bad, you could, you could buy just a, a, you know, a, an ETF and get exposure to the price that way. Uh, for me, that's not enough. I don't personally, so in full disclosure, I don't own any paper gold products i only own the physical stuff um do you see any significant um risks uh of an etf uh, as, as for example gld um in, in some regards you just you know i'm not even really sure i understand how that etf works does it own you know does it own gold does it i mean you know what i mean so 
So is there some danger inherent in uh, that, that kind of setup as opposed to physical gold? Yes. The danger is you have counterparty risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I have a gold eagle in my hand, I have zero counterparty risk. If I own GLD, I have counterparty risk. Now I have to rely on the markets uh, uh, functioning properly. I have to rely on management and their prowess and their abilities. I have to rely on the custodians that are holding that gold. I have to rely on the system to make sure that that price is always going to match what the spot price of gold is. So an ETF is like anything else. It has counterparty risk, but a physical metal does not have that counterparty risk. So that's the greatest advantage that you can have by holding the actual physical metal. How did taxation work um, in terms of uh, physical gold? Say you wanted to sell some. Taxation for physical gold, I'm, I'm assuming the ETF works like regular capital gains, right? Um, is there a difference between the way those are taxed? So if you own physical gold, yeah, there is a, a tax rate specific for physical gold and silver and platinum, palladium, any any metal like that that you hold, it's for most people that tax rate is going to be 28%. Uh, it's very archaic, uh, but the government declares gold a collectible right. still to this day, even though bullion, which is really not a collectible item because collectible gold would be a rare coin, but the law has not changed. It's still, you, it's still viewed as a collectible and therefore taxed the 28% uh, rate. Uh, the way to escape that would be to to buy some gold stocks, uh, because then they would be taxed at the capital gains rate, which would be lower for most people. Uh, the catch there, of course, is that you introduce all this other risk now when you buy a mining stock. I love mining stocks. I own a bunch. I've been an analyst for a number of years. I think volatile. they're going to provide leverage to gold and silver, but they have risk. Yeah, just watch the movie Gold. With yeah. Matthew McConaughey that came out a year or two ago, great movie, very fun. But that's a true story, and I know some people that owned that stock at that time, and they have lost everything from that uh, from that stock. So you have other risks when you do that. So there's a balance there. So the balance for me is just like your gold versus real estate question. Well, I have both. Yeah. I have both physical gold and I have gold mining stocks. Are, are mining stocks taxed? Are, are mining tax uh, uh, stocks taxed differently than like a, a pure gold ETF? Or are they are they both sort of? Yeah, that's a, that's a security. It's an equity, and so therefore, yeah, it's taxed differently. It uh, Th- that's a capital gains issue as opposed to a collectible so, issue. So GLD is considered capital gains. Uh, but that's a that's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that uh, because I don't um, I, I don't own any okay, got it, paper got it. paper and, gold products. Uh, yeah. That's easy to find out, and it's probably even on our website. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't own any of that, so I, I can't answer sure. that knowledge. Sure, I get it. Um, so, if you want to buy physical gold, do you know of ways that you can borrow against it? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, there are ways to do that. You, you can link up with uh, some entities that will uh, borrow your gold uh, uh, that they will then use to turn that gold in, you know, sell to a refiner or to a dealer or a manufacturer or a mint or something like that. The percentage isn't, you know, the return is not that high, maybe something comparable to treasuries. But again, now you introduce counterparty risk sure. again because sure. you're sure. lending your gold out. That's what the Indian government is trying to convince people over there to do is to lend their gold out. So uh, that's one of gold's great attributes, right? Is that it doesn't have counterparty risk. So right. I, you know, to take my gold and introduce that to it, ah, I, I, I balk at that. I, I don't know if I want to take that risk. If I want to take some risk with gold and go out there and try to earn more than what the return of gold would be, well, I want to buy a gold or a silver mining equity. That's what I want to do. So yeah, uh, there are entities out there that will do that. There, there's not a t- there's not a lot of them, but there are ways to do that. I personally just wouldn't do it because of introducing the the, the counterparty risk issue. Um, what are um, what are so what exactly does um, uh, silver gold uh, or gold silver? Sorry, 
your company is gold yeah. silver um <laughs> what what exactly does gold silver do uh, it's very simple goldsilver.com is a bullion dealer so all they do is sell bullion that's all they do no storage and or they anything? store it for you as oh, well they do Okay. Um, so we don't sell any rare coins or numismatics. Um, there's a lot of issues with that. So I would encourage people, if they don't own gold, don't start with those dealers you see on cable TV or something like that. Right. Because that, that's a, you know, a lot of those, you know, have a little bait and switch going on. They'll tell you about coin A, but they'll want to sell you coin B, C, or D because that has a higher markup once they get you on the phone. So uh, I would stick with investment grade bullion, which is standard bullion, gold eagles, gold maple leaves, same with silver. You want to start with the sovereign coins because a sovereign coin just means it's produced by a government. So it's produced by a government mint. So there is some backing there. Uh, it will always be honored uh, by a government. And there's certain certainties in terms of purity and things like that that come with that as well. So if you're starting out, I would definitely start with sovereigns. Um, if you want to buy bars, bars are ideal for storage. Uh, that's the shape they're made in. If you can picture a gold bar, they're made in that shape, so they're stackable. And so especially when it comes to silver, right? So silver takes up so much space for the same dollar amount as you would buy gold. You probably want to put that in storage because it just takes up so much space. Um, and of course, you don't want to keep a lot of that in your house either. Um, so a lot of us use professional storage. I actually have a story where I, I um, had some gold stolen out of my house. Oh, it wow. was stored in a safe um, that was in a closet hidden from view, and the key was located in a different room. Our house was broken into. They found the key. They found the safe, and boom. Uh, you know, I lost a, a lot of gold from, from that episode, so I always remember that. And uh, so I personally don't keep any gold in the house anymore. In fact, I have a dummy stash. I have a stash of dummy coins that just aren't worth that much there in case we were to get robbed again, you know? Wow. Yeah. So I personally don't like to have it in the house. You, you have to think twice about that. That is your risk. If you keep it in the house is, is theft or some kind of, you know, natural disaster or something like that. So, so if I go to gold, most silver, of us gold silver use professional storage, if I go to goldsilver.com, I can buy gold and silver. Can I also kind of, you know, automatically get that, um, stored as well? Absolutely. It's very easy. In fact, it's as easy as opening up a bank account. There's a tab for that. You just click and it check out. It'll ask you if you want delivery or storage. It's that simple. So I, I think for most people, the, the bulk of one's holdings probably should be out of the house. And I don't like to keep it in a safe deposit box at a bank either because there you go. Counterparty risk. Now we're in the banking system. And one yeah. of the great advantages of gold is you can hedge against any type of banking crisis. So I, I like to keep it out of the banking system as well. There's no insurance on, uh, you know, safe deposit boxes and there is with professional storage. So, um, so yeah. Um, I want to shift to topics a little bit. Um, your colleague, uh, Mike Maloney did a very interesting, um, documentary some time ago, uh, talking about Bitcoin. It was one of the original, um, uh, documentaries that got me really interested in Bitcoin and, and he finished with uh, Hashgraph as well. I know this is not necessarily your area, but I presume you know a little bit about it. Is Do you feel like Bitcoin's more like gold or the U.S. dollar? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, uh, to me, all these things have some similarities, but all these things have some differences. So what's your purpose? What's your investment goal? What's your investment purpose? And then you pick the asset that's going to match that purpose. And of course, being diversified is good. You know, looking at the investment horizon, the economic horizon might tell you if you want to be overweight or underweight something. That's just how I approach things. But of course, they have some similarities. They're both, you know, Bitcoin and gold, for example, are both limited. They're divisible. But gold is indestructible. Gold can't be hacked gold can't be erased, you know? So uh, it has some advantages over Bitcoin. So I wouldn't put all my money into a crypto just because it has some of the same attributes as gold. I would, you know, use that for the purpose that it's intended to be used for and use gold for the purpose that it's intended to be used for. So I do own some cryptos, 
Um, I do think there's an interesting opportunity there, but it, it isn't crypto, right? It's the blockchain. And it, it, it's the, the cryptos that are going to come out of the blockchain and use that that are uh, probably going to be successful that I would want to invest in. Most of those, you know, in my opinion, probably still need to be washed away. Right. Uh, most right. of them are going to amount to nothing. So you have to, you know, as an investor, you have to find which ones you think are going to be a game changer and, and make a difference. So got it. Uh, well, listen, Jeff, it's been really great having you. Um, so we can find you at uh, goldsilver.com. Any other place we should be aware of your work or anything else you're doing? Well, they post my articles at, at swp.com as well. Um, I am on the advisory board there, but the same articles are on goldsilver.com. If someone is interested, they can actually get Mike Maloney's book for free now. Uh, we have a free download on our website right on the, the homepage. Uh, so it is still, believe it or not, the number one best-selling book on gold and silver investing uh, still to this day, even though it was written 10 years ago. So, But you can get it for free, a free download there. And the other thing I would say is Mike has commented a lot on cryptos and gold and silver in his uh, video series, The Hidden Secrets of Money. Yeah. So if people have not heard of that, they might want to check it out. These are movie quality it's videos fantastic. that are excellent. Uh, they go in everything we, you and I have talked about, the, from the history of money to cryptos to you know, gold and silver. Uh, so it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful series. It's very educational and very enjoyable and very well done. So those are worth checking out, I think, on the site if anyone's interested. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Mike on the show as well to talk about the uh, cryptocurrency. But uh, at any rate, Jeff, it's been great talking to you. Uh, very uh, useful information. Uh, and uh, uh, again, I just want to thank, for you, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. We'll have to come back and debate the real estate and uh, gold uh, argument more. But again, they're not mutually exclusive. I think that's right. the point I want to make is yep. you can have both. I, I think real estate will be better valued in the future. And you may disagree with me, but I think it'll be better valued in the future. And if my gold and silver is worth more, I may be able to do a little bit of a swap there. So uh, we'll see, but we'll, we'll have to debate that again another time. You bet. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I know we are gold heavy these days, but I'm, again, just trying to understand if I'm missing something. And, um, you know, right now I'm not. I don't feel like I'm really missing uh, missing anything. Um, I, I get it, like the idea, and I'm not against holding it. It's just, to me, being heavy in this space right now doesn't necessarily make all the sense in the world, especially in reality, physical gold, um, to me, again, is not something that's terribly liquid. And, and uh, to the extent that if you've got like ounces of gold, I mean, yeah, you could sell it and then you get massively taxed on it, et cetera. Um, I think if there's a way to, if you're just planning on holding it for long term, uh, you know, go ahead by all means um, and buy it if you want to. I just, I just don't see uh, a significant advantage over just, you know, if you're going to buy $50,000 of something, I think maybe it ought to be something that throws off some cash flow, something that you can uses collateral you can buy you can borrow off of it and then you can you know that you have big tax benefits as well but anyway it's just another way of thinking i do uh have one last comment on that i need need to point out that something that jeff said um which is not true which is that bitcoin um he said uh had talked about it getting hacked and the reality is that this is a complete miss um, misunderstanding on the part of people who don't uh, really understand what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin has never been hacked. Never, ever, ever in 10 years. And if you understood Bitcoin, you'd understand exactly kind of why that's the case. Now, uh, that's not, uh, you know, that's not to say that Bitcoin trading platforms or online wallets have not been hacked and Bitcoin has been stolen from them. But Bitcoin itself inherently is not really hackable. And I think one of the problems and one of the reasons that gold bugs ha uh, aren't more into Bitcoin is that they don't fundamentally understand it very well. And if they did, they probably would buy some at least. Anyway, um, 
listen, uh, I, I do want to uh, point out that I am doing uh, uh, another Ask Bucks show shortly. And so if you disagree on with these topics and, and you want to talk about them, please, I welcome it. Go to wealthformula.com and you'll see a bit button on there that's a sudden buck of voice message. So that's what you got to do. You got to get on there and leave me a voice message with a question and then leave, uh, leave again, leave a question or comment. Or if you're shy, you can also uh, go on there and I think contact us for or something like that and, and write a question there. And uh, Madeline will turn around and, and give me that question and, and we can have a go of it. But these shows are very popular. I think people really enjoy them. Um, and it's a, it's a good time. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Uh, well, actually, there is. But we, if you have a stupid question, I just won't mention your name. I'm kidding. Anyway, you can, um, you can of course, uh, uh, visit wealthformula.com and participate in that. I encourage you to do so. And while you're there, make sure you click on the link that allows you uh, to give me a five-star review, Wealth Formula, a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us to continue, continue getting high-quality guests and more listeners to our community, which is what we want. We want to, one by one, convert the ignorant convert uh, people to not you know I shouldn't say convert because you know what I just want the information to go to them because they're only being fed information from Wall Street now if they have other information and they make a decision um, to stick with you know their financial uh, advisors and great more power to you but uh, ignorance is not bliss in this world unfortunately I think it's uh, it's a lot of people are going to die broke because of it Anyway, that's it for me. Uh, Buck Joffrey here with uh, Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.